Good morning and welcome to Recipe for Success. My name is Nancy Giacalone and the point of um, this live series is to blend two things that I love. I love business and marketing and cooking. And so uh, my love for cooking prompted me to think about how it works in the business environment as well. Because in cooking, there's always one really key ingredient or technique that is critical to the success of whatever you're trying to make. And really that's very true in business as well. So it's been really fun to talk to business leaders and entrepreneurs and find out a little bit about more what their recipe for success is. So today I'm thrilled to have Brian Harding on my show. He is um, the founder of Creating a Success Path for the Service Industry. Welcome, Brian, and you. um, introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit more about you. Yeah, so thank you very much. So I'm Brian Harding, as you mentioned. Um, I have a couple of uh, 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 things I'm related to. I'm, I'm kind of going through a rebranding thing that we'll get into in a little bit. Um, so I have a, um, a product or a, a, a course called Service Industry Success. Uh, I have another one called My Success Works, and we'll talk a little bit more about those. But they are for people in service industries, um, like contractors, auto repair shops, um, home service um, companies, IT, and other professional services. Um, I work with folks like that. I had a business that I just sold a couple of businesses uh, earlier this year on January 1st. Those closed, um, and that's where you and I met, of course. Um, myself and my two partners started a business in 2011. And, uh, you know, my living room was global headquarters, like, you know, started really small, just the three of us. And nine years later, we had over 50 employees and we're invoicing 9,000 jobs a year. And, and we had really tremendous growth. And, uh, uh, so I've, I've sold my shares of that company and now I'm doing, uh, I'm doing uh, work with people one-on-one -on -one and in a group coaching kind of setting now. Well, you mentioned it, um, but that is how I actually first met you is when you were the co-owner of your former business. And honestly, um, I was so impressed. Uh, I have been in my industry for a very long time, as most people know. And I went to one of your employee meetings to um, do an annual open enrollment. And I heard and saw and felt the culture that you had created in that business. And it kind of blew me away. So how were you able to create that kind of culture in a service industry? Because I don't see it very often. And um, how do you think that those skills that you built are going to translate to your current clients? Well, they, um, first of all, thank you. Uh, it, it's nice to have that kind of uh, effort recognized and, and see the, the fruition of what you're trying to build and those kind of things. Um, you know, building a culture is, is um, for me, it's a deliberate thing. And I think that most people kind of assume if you're just a nice person, it just happens. And I don't think that's factually how it works, right? Um, and so one of the things I teach um, people I work with now is especially, and I have kind of the, the business ownership journey is broken into five stages. What I teach is there's five stages. Um, stage three, which is the hardest one where most businesses fail, is where the business owner is transitioning from being an employee to a business owner, right? Um, so two things are happening there simultaneously. The business owner wants freedom but they're reluctant to give up control. And those kind of forces fighting against each other is what creates all the friction. One of the things you have to learn to do in that stage is delegate decisions and authority to, to employees. Um, some of those things you delegate need to be like doing the right thing when nobody's looking, right? And, and wanting to do the right thing and uh, wanting to be successful for the team. And those are things you have to um, deliberately plan, I think. 
Um, the good news is they can be taught. You know, they're all things. If I can do it, anybody else can do it, right? Um, uh, so I think that that's all uh, um, important for people to understand is it has to be deliberate action, but it can be done. And ultimately, for me, the 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 baseline question for all the things having to do with creating a good culture come down to asking this one question in virtually every setting. What's in it for the employee, right? So I don't mean that like in a rhetorical sense. I mean, like in, in a grand scheme, what's in it for the employee to work for you versus brand X? Like you both offer a paycheck, you both offer benefits or whatever your industry's equivalent is. What What's in it for them to work for you? Like sort that out. I think that's a really key thing. Another example would be um, I worked with I worked with somebody in several months ago. They were having a problem where they would have people in leadership roles who would go out to job sites and would just not be prepared. And they would call the business owner at you know nine o'clock in the morning every day and say, "Hey, I forgot this or this isn't ready or whatever." And the business owner was very frustrated and said, "I don't know how to get these people on board with with proactively doing the right thing, you know, and being prepared." And I said, "Well." So let me get this straight. They they're not prepared. They go to the job site. They call you. You're frustrated. You vent for 90 seconds, and then you solve the problem, right? Yeah. What's in it for them to do anything different? <laughs> like why would exactly. they? Exactly. They have to endure 90 seconds of your frustration, and you take all the responsibility. <laughs> why why would they not do that anymore, right? So again, the baseline question for me in in most of these things that relate to culture and getting employees on board with things is asking all the time, what's in it for the employee to do this? Well, you make a really good point because I um, I will raise my hand and say I have been guilty of doing just that exact thing um, where it's like, okay, I'll just get it done instead of flipping it around. So really excellent point. Um, one of the things I also remember about that meeting was I remember it, this is a service industry business. So most of these people are blue collar male workers. And I remember them um, freely standing up and sharing something good they had seen another coworker doing complimenting yeah. another coworker. And that was, I mean, that just, that just spoke to me. And that's clearly something that you created and right. fostered to make them comfortable doing that. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So it's it, uh, the meeting you were at was a weekly meeting uh, where it's where we talked about company initiatives, safety, annual harassment policy um, problems we had the previous week. It's just the weekly meeting where we, we like, everybody got together and we just kind of uh, state of the union kind of a thing. Right. Um, part of that process was diagnosing problems we had the previous week. So if we had a warranty issue, if we had a, an accident, if we had any of those kinds of things that, that we don't want to have, we had to kind of get into those and like, you know, figure out what, what's the root cause for this? How do we prevent this from happening again? What is it in our processes that we need to fix? Yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, without the counterbalance of what did we do that was awesome that could turn pretty negative pretty quickly right just left on its own that would just spiral into a negative and pretty soon the same people are getting pointed at all the time and they're the ones that cause this and and so it just felt like we had to have the counterbalance for that which was um you know what are we doing really well and for us answering the question what's in it for our employees to work here uh one of the baseline things for us in that company was our employees really helped each other a lot, like way more than I've ever seen in any other company like that. Uh, for example, if, if a person was you know, in Everett on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock and they needed a tool, uh, there would be people who lived in, in let's say Spanaway who were in the 
Puyallup area who would just drive to Everett and drop it off for them and help them out. And there was no manager that asked them to do that. No supervisor that told them they had to. Um, that was one of the things that that's what's in it for the employees to work for is we have a, a group of people who are very supportive of each other. It's a very much a team environment, even though you're working on your own. So um, not highlighting that seemed like a disservice to the people who were doing these awesome things. And the meeting would have gotten really negative if we not had not deliberately, you know, created this positive thing. So the answer was self-evident. What did we do that didn't work last week? Okay, let's get through that and solve the problem. And then what did we do that was really cool last week? And let's end the with that. I love that. That's just amazing. Okay. So we're going to switch hats for a second and go back to your coaching, which is what you're doing now. And no disrespect to anybody because there's some amazing ones out there, but it seems like everyone's a business coach these days. Yeah. I mean, it's coaches, LinkedIn coaches, there's business coaches, there's whatever. Um, So what made you decide to jump into that crowded field and what do you think sets you apart? So uh, it's, it's, it's interesting how this all came about. So again, my company that I had, we we had pretty tremendous growth. We averaged about 38% growth every year for nine years. Um, and so it wasn't very long, four or five years in until people started, instead of me asking people, how did you solve this problem? Or how do you fix this or whatever? They started asking me, hey, can you go to lunch? I got something I want to run by you. Or, or could you help me solve this problem? And I did not have any interest at that point in being a quote unquote coach. Um, um, but I did, I enjoy helping people. We got a lot of help from people. I was very happy to kind of pay that forward. I, I'm not really a fan of cliches, but that's kind of what we were doing is, is, Hey, people help me out. I'm, I'm certainly going to help other folks out. Uh, and then those lunches and things kind of turn into more of a, Hey, can I call you again in a couple of weeks and follow up? And, and, um, I, so I really, I really started seeing people would come back and report, Hey, you told me to do this, or you gave me this advice. I went and implemented it. And I came back and it worked. Hey, thanks a lot. Now, how about this thing? You know, and we kind of be on to the next next topic. And um, I really enjoyed doing that. And my business had gotten to the point where I was working a couple, you know, a few days a week. Uh, My favorite part of my job was mentoring the managers who were going to run the company someday. Um, But there was there was this one thing that happened about two years ago that really just propelled me forward in this. And I was at a, a networking meeting. And there was a person there who's a, a business coach and they were, they had a product that they were selling, which was kind of a, a lead magnet, I guess you would call it. Right. Um, and the thing that they were selling was just wrong. It was factually incorrect. And it, and it, it pissed me off. It made me so angry because I remember being vulnerable and I remember times where I would have written a check for $10,000 for somebody to help me just, just to have the feeling that somebody was going to help me, let alone if they actually solve the problem or not. And it really made me angry that a person was was not even aware that they were selling something that was just factually wrong. And so I kind of went through my Rolodex in my head. And I'm like, well, how could it? Well, before I did that, I asked myself, how could this be? And the answer was this person never owned a business before. They had gone to school and got a business degree or whatever. Um, and then I started kind of going through my Rolodex in my head and like, who are the business coaches I know? And I knew about 12 at the time. And I, the next question was how many of those have ever owned their own business? And the answer was one, one out of the 12 I knew had ever owned a business. And that really made me angry um, for a bunch of reasons. Mostly though, because I felt that people in these situations where they're trying to make payroll, they got more stress than they can take on. If you catch them at the right moment, they're extremely vulnerable and they have access to a large amount of money in a checking account. I, I just, it just made me angry. And so I said, you know what? 
um, rather than complaining about it, I'm just going to start helping people. And then, um, like most things in life, I wasn't really confident that I could really help people. And even though I'd been working with folks for a while, and then there was this kind of moment where I knew I was on the right track. Um, I was working with somebody who'd been in business for 30 years, and I was I was just questioning myself, like, what could I possibly teach this person, right? And it turns out this person's like my biggest fan. Like, like they, you know, the the way that they explain how the shift that's happened in their business by teaching the things I teach with our our stuff, you know, the stages and identifying the right problem and problem solving correctly and building that culture. Um, I, once I knew I could help that person, then I was like, I know I'm on the right track. I love what I do. My favorite part of my quote unquote regular job was mentoring the future leaders. This gives me a chance to do what I like and I love. Um, and it's it's just been it's just been awesome. And and again, I, I keep going back to there's a ton of business coaches. There's not a ton of business coaches who own a business. And that, it's bewildering to me. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so that you actually speak to something that's close to my heart, because one of the things that is very important to me um, and one of my focuses for the next five to seven years is to create a legacy in this industry, because we yeah. don't have we don't in my industry, we don't have really good training opportunities or mentors to really bring people up adequately. So I love I love what you're what you're doing. I think you're yeah. bringing a very valuable I think service. One of the things that I would like explain to folks is you cannot learn how to do ballet by reading a book. You cannot learn how to play a piano by reading a book. You can't learn to play golf by reading a book. You certainly cannot learn how to run a business by reading a book. That is a true story. I have owned my business for 25 years in April. So believe me, I have been through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Okay. So if you were talking to a business owner in the service industry, because I know that's kind of your primary focus right now, what's the number one piece of advice or tip that you would give them that would instantly make a difference? Um, well, I'm reluctant to ever give the, here's the one thing. Uh, it's not one thing, but one. Yeah. So I think that um, if I had to choose anything, it would be to um, being deliberate, like having a plan, right? So one of the things that I've, I've learned with working with people is we, we become paralyzed and overwhelmed and kind of rudderless because we don't know which direction to go oftentimes, right? And part of that is because we won't answer a handful of basic questions. One of those for people in service industries is how big of a company am I trying to build? And if you ask a hundred business owners that in a service industry, over 90 of them are going to say, I don't know. And my answer is, well, if you're building a 12 person business or a 43 person business, those are entirely different organizations with entirely different structures, entirely different cultures and fields and moods. And not declaring what you're trying to build creates this waffling that goes back and forth and you're making emotional decisions day by day. Sometimes you're leaning towards that 12 person company and sometimes you're leaning towards that 43. And because you're going back and forth, you're not moving forward as fast as you could. Um, and there's a couple other like the what's in it for my employees to work for me that answer that question, like not rhetorically and don't give answers like I have an open door policy and we have a great culture and these these kind of cliche catch-all terms that really are meaningless there's a handful of questions if you just answer those difficult questions uh your life would be a lot easier so yeah I, I guess i would come down to being deliberate and not just kind of waffling through this process because that waffling process costs a lot of time money aggravation doubt it just it creates so much challenge too many problems and even if you declare i'm going to build a 20-person company and eight months later you change your mind and say okay now i'm going to build a 30-person company 
okay, it's fine. That's still way more efficient than not declaring at all. And if you change your mind 50 times over 10 years, you're still way better off than just not knowing and just kind of bumbling your way through it. Well, a couple of things pop into my head based on that. Number one, I think, um, and I think this because I've experienced it over the years, is I think a lot of business owners um, struggle with imposter syndrome. They're not oh. sure that they're not sure that they're worthy to grow their business. So they don't yeah. ever pick a pick a number because that seems too much for them. So yeah. that's what they stay in that kind of that unknown place. Um, at least that's kind of my perception. For sure. And, and the other thing is, I don't think that a lot of business owners have clarity on who they are and what they want to do. Not even right. the, the size. You and I were talking a little bit earlier before the show about a post I'd made the other day about the book, Building a Story Brand. And I think it's just had my mind spinning because not only is that a great tool for defining yourself from a marketing standpoint, it's a great tool for defining yourself as a business standpoint as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, that you, know, you talk about that imposter syndrome. Um, and again, I, what we talk about in, in the coaching I do is there's five stages. You know, the first stage, you're just like trying to figure out what you're going to be. The second stage is all about the customer. The third stage is all about the employees. The fourth stage is all about processes. And the fifth stage is all about succession, right? So in that third stage where the, again, the business owner is transitioning from being an employee to a business owner, they have to delegate way more things to the employees in that stage. It really highlights that imposter syndrome. It really highlights the fears and doubts and reluctance to give up control. All those things are like a spotlight is put on those fears and things we like to hide way down deep in our mind and, and not even acknowledge to ourselves. And just becoming aware of those things, you know, uh, and like a business owner would just question, do I deserve the, the, the monetary and freedom of time and, and those benefits that go along with success? If I don't believe I'm worthy of those things, you're never going to get out of that stage. You're always going to feel like your business owns you because you're subconsciously creating this moat or wall that you can't overcome because you don't feel like you're worthy of that success. And if you're not even tuned into that, I don't know how you would overcome it. Right, right. Um, I just think that is spot on. Uh, the other thing that I think is was interesting going back to the the story brand book is one of the things I personally learned was that whenever your your business should treat the customer or the client as the hero of the story and not you. Yeah. And I think that that is a I think that's a fundamental shift that um, business owners sometimes really struggle with. It's yeah. is that um, that they see themselves as the, the hero. I'm going to yeah. rescue these people. No, you're going to help them rescue themselves. Yeah. And I think that's the thing we have to do with employees too. Yeah. So, so for me, like, you know, again, um, I told you, I talked about the, the, the few questions if we just answer these questions, our life would be easier in between what kind of company am I trying to build and what's in it for the employees is what's in it for the customer to buy from me instead of brand X. And again, it can't be because we have quote unquote, great customer service or, or these again, meaningless terms that don't like have any value specifically, why should they buy from you instead of somebody else? And without starting to speak our internal industry jargon that makes us sound like the expert and we lose sight of solving their problem. Like, we be, it becomes a commercial, like our approach to helping them becomes a commercial for adding credibility to ourselves. 
instead of remembering that we're trying to solve their problem and they don't and those languages are not necessarily um they don't mesh very well right yeah yeah um okay so if there's business owners or entrepreneurs out there wondering well how do i get this sort of clarity direction confidence i so desperately need to make progress where should they go who should they talk to uh, well, they can <laughs> talk to me um they can go to serviceindustriesuccess.com um now I will I will uh, warn folks that we are in the midst of a massive rebrand over the next 90 days. That website's gonna look completely different than it does now. Um, current the current version I did myself, so it looks like a third grader did it, right? <laughs> um, we all have to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but we are in the middle of a rebrand. So if they go to serviceindustriesuccess.com, there's a place they can sign up and they can get the success path that I talk about, the service industry success path, which kind of breaks down these five stages. It gives milestones and action items for each stage. So, so it helps people, like if you're in stage two, it tells you what to focus on now to get the most benefit. If you're in stage four, same thing. And, and it gives that kind of clarity. Um, they can certainly email me as well if they want, if they have a specific challenge they're trying to work through, brian at successful-concepts.com. Um, the, there's a Facebook group, there's a, a, a LinkedIn page, service industry success if they find if they look for that in any platform they're going to find it there's a podcast that'll be coming out in the next few weeks called service industry success that's going to be um a short 20 minute you know here's a problem you're facing here's a solution kind of format to be weekly uh that's something they could tune into as well um but if they just find me on linkedin facebook uh I, i'm out there if they just find me uh there's there's pretty clear paths of where they can uh, get the information that'd be helpful for them Awesome. Well, I will, after the show is over with, I will put links to all of those resources in the comments. So anybody that cool. is interested can um, connect with you. So we are on to my five burning questions that I have for every guest. Number one is always, what is your favorite food in the whole world and can you cook it? Man, I tell you, uh, as you can tell by looking at me, I have a lot of favorite food. Um, <laughs> But if I had to choose one, I, I would probably just say a good ribeye steak would probably always just uh, it's it's simple. It's uh, it's flavorful. I mean, uh, it's tough to pick between uh, Mexican food and Italian food. I love all those things. But if I had to say, like, what's your number one, like go to a, a really well grilled ribeye steak would be it. And uh, yeah, I used to be really handy at cooking. My wife loves to cook, though, so I don't I don't get much practice anymore. Um, but we're fortunate that we, we get to have that at least once a week, probably. And it's always awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, I just realized that I had completely skipped over a question and I'm going to, I'm going to actually circle back to it because I think it was, it was an important thing I definitely wanted to ask you. Yeah. So, um, at the same time that you decided to leave your former company and go out on your own, um, from the coaching standpoint, you also decided to make a physical move. Yeah. Not across town, but to an entirely different state. Yeah. So um, I'm curious what prompted that move. So um, we sold our family size house and we, we bought a much smaller place in Washington. So we still have a footprint there and we bought a house in Arizona. Um, so we haven't we're still technically Washington state residents. I still vote in Washington, all that kind of stuff. We are transitioning over the next couple of years for sure. Um, and it, you know, it's a bunch of things. I'm, I'm in the point in my life where I enjoy doing things outdoors. Um, so 
and and after traveling for the last five or ten years as much as we have which is you know a fair amount um you know you go to the caribbean and you get, and you get used to that sun and then you go back home and it rains for seven months and it just it it's different than when you're young and, and you can't you don't have the means to do anything right so, um so that weather is certainly a factor um but i would have to say one of the biggest factors is just the political climate in washington i can do what i do from anywhere as long as i have an internet connection and a phone line um you can see that i have my this is my webinar slash classroom studio i have one here in arizona and i have a, a one that looks exactly the same in puyallup um so i can do this from anywhere uh but the the political climate just was not it was not fun uh, you know i you look at um I, the last two of the last three times my wife and i went to seattle to go to the theater or something like that we were literally less than two blocks away from drive-by shootings um it's not fun to go there anymore and it doesn't appear that it's like moving in it there's no there's no end in sight like we're just barreling down this path of that of that you know what again my my when i talk to legislators about this and i go to olympia which i i'm very active in things in olympia um i would say to legislators like the questions business owners have to ask are what's in it for the customer what's in it for the employee you should be asking what's in it with the business owner to be in washington state and that that is just like a, a thought that just appears to be um not even recognized and so as things were happening in seattle where we have 40 something vehicles driving around i was like well if a mob of people surrounds that truck and the driver panics and runs somebody over who's going to get sued for that the business owner if that mob of people surrounds that truck and the driver doesn't panic but the driver gets hurt who's going to get sued for that the business owner so the risk reward thing just didn't feel good and uh um so I, you know politics weather and uh traffic are probably the top three reasons we move somewhere else <laughs> well you can't you can't you can't get uh pick much three better reasons so i would imagine though being in arizona in the sunshine there's a lot more opportunities for grilling those ribeyes too right we actually have it's a bizarre thing out here uh here uh there's actually like an outdoor built-in uh grill like it's built oh, into the amazing. landscaping it's 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 awesome <laughs> i love it i love it um Okay, so back to the coaching again. I'm sorry, I'm flip-flopping a That's little okay. bit. Uh, how are you currently marketing your program? And have you found that there's one method that seems to be better than others? So uh, we are, like I said, we're in the middle of a rebrand. Um, I hired a story brand certified marketing agency who is uh, fluent in the platform I use to host my membership courses and things like that. So it's not uh, just a matter of finding somebody who can build a website. There's a specific platform I use to host video courses and Kajabi. Audio. Kajabi, right. yeah, yeah. So I had to find somebody who was both fluent in uh, and a certified story brand um, marketing person who who could also do Kajabi, and that took a little bit of work. Uh, I found somebody um, who I think they're really awesome, um, and so we're we literally had our kickoff meeting two days ago. Uh, we're in the very infancy of that. Uh, but it's about a 90 day process and we'll be uh, we'll come out of that with a, a Kajabi site that has a an awesome looking uh, page for people to come find out what we do. And on the, also on the on the other end for people who are existing clients and members, their experience will be a lot better. We'll have clarity on who we're trying to reach if we ever decide to do Facebook ads or, um, you know, Google ads or whatever. I purchased a handful of URLs that I think will be helpful, like. Uh, how to read a PL. I couldn't believe that was available. I thought that oh, was Oh, you're kidding me. It was available? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so there's a, there was about a dozen or so of those that I bought um, that will someday, you know, not not all at once, but uh, someday over the next couple three years will be useful for for marketing. Um, and to be honest, this year I'm doing some testing. I'm gonna I'm gonna test a few different uh, website strategies. I'm gonna test um, some stuff with Facebook, and uh, I'll know a lot more in a year than I know today for sure. But it the foundation of it is going to be that story brand thing. I that really resonated with me a lot it really gels with what I teach already. So it just kind of felt like a natural fit. Um, and I, I really, my favorite part of doing this is helping people like getting through those, those frustrating icky parts of being a business owner. My whole, my whole thrill is helping people get through those quickly, not, you know, laboring in those and being stuck in those spots. Right. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to check back with you a year and, and find out what the most successful uh, techniques can plug. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be glad to share that. Okay, so um, we talked about it from a service industry, but if you could magically get employers to do one thing, business owners to do one thing to improve their business, what would it be? Yeah, again, I think it would be that clarity and, and being deliberate. Uh, a close second, um, a communication. I mean, we just as in life, we all struggle, I think, with communication. Um, you can look at anything anywhere and find companies struggling with that, whether you buy something online and they have very rigid processes for you to go through and then you click the purchase button and they may not even have a confirmation that your order was done. I did that with Logitech the other day. I bought a, a new webcam and I clicked the purchase button and I was in limbo for like 18 hours wondering if that order actually went through, like just basic communication like that. Um, and certainly with employees. I think people assume that people know and understand things all the time that people don't know and understand that creates yeah. a massive amount of confusion. Uh, so I, you know, I, I, I could go yeah. on and on about that. <laughs> okay. So here we go. What is your secret talent or something people would be surprised to know about you? See, well, the thing that people are definitely surprised to find out about me is I am a damn good dancer. <laughs> Ooh, I I am surprised to learn that. Yeah. So I, I did, uh, uh, like in high school, I did ballroom dancing. Um, uh, it was a great place to meet girls. I <laughs> bet, know, I bet. There weren't a lot of guys doing it. Uh, uh, I've actually helped people learn to do, uh, to do, uh, to learn dancing for their weddings and stuff like that. So um, I don't do a lot of it anymore, but people are definitely surprised to find that out. That is awesome. Okay. So last question. Who's the one person that you've connected with or follow on LinkedIn or alternatively a podco podcast host that you would most like to meet in real person? Sit down, share a cup of coffee and, you know, um, debrief. Um, this person is not on LinkedIn, I don't think. They're definitely on Facebook and they have a podcast I listen to. I would say Adam Carolla. I love he's Adam a, Carolla. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a, like me, I think he's a balance of, serious and let's get the job done but let's have fun along the way and let's not take ourselves so seriously um i kind of get that vibe from elon musk also i kind of get that vibe from gary vanderchuk um uh i i just like people who are listen yes we need to work hard and get things done but life is short also let's have some fun along the way so uh i think anyone who's equal parts those two things is gonna i'm gonna gravitate towards yeah well i think uh having a Having him sharing a meal or a beer or something with Adam Carolla would be amazing. I think he's hilarious on top of everything else, which I yeah. appreciate. So yeah, 
Okay, well, that is um, that is it for today. I really want to thank you for coming on. I think you shared some really valuable tips with everyone. Again, Great. I will um, put all those links in the comments. So anybody that would like to learn more, please follow um, Brian on LinkedIn here and check out his links. If you still have, if you're still struggling figuring out how to get a hold of him, please reach out to me, and I will be happy to make that connection. So is there any parting words you want to share with anybody? Yeah, there actually is. Um, for anybody who has not become a client of yours yet, who's looking for health benefits, for, I tell you, um, having experienced uh, what it's like to be the customer for dozens, if not hundreds of companies over the years, uh, no question, you guys are right at the top as far as customer service, follow through, communication, diligence. Um, anybody who's not like really jump ship and become a client of yours is is costing themselves frustration they don't need to you guys are awesome what you do and i know that this kind of platform is not really easy for you to brag about yourself but you should be bragging about yourself you guys are one of the best things ever happened to us was getting a referral to, to meet you guys and and switching our benefits provider to, to olympic crest you guys are just awesome and uh i appreciate that and i hope people know that you're really good at what you do Thank you. That means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. And um, I look forward to more opportunities to work together in the future and have a fantastic day. You do the same, Nancy. Take care. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.